Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to Get a Grip. It is full swing tonight with Get a Grip and Scratch, and we've made it. Claire Rogers, we made it. Episode <laughs> eight, everything has led to this. That's the title of the episode. That's the hours we've spent, not just our team, but the great crew at Scratch that's helped put this together on the video side. And we got, I would say, the most popular golfer in the world involved yeah. throughout the episode in Rory McIlroy. This was the Rory episode, and I felt like it was the perfect way to wrap up a fun, uh, a fun experience with Netflix. Yeah, I loved it. I loved how he kind of, I mean, of course he did because it's Rory, but leaned into the importance of the history of the game, which, you know, we'd been following these players and the live, this and that. And this just kind of was a palate cleanser in the sense of this game is bigger than us. There's so much that has happened to this point, and Rory really did a great job with not only recognizing that, but then he did, you know, going to a junior clinic and showing how he's trying to kind of make sure he passes the baton on. And he said, you know, if I leave this game in a better spot than I found it, I've done the right thing, which I loved. I've done my job. I'm Shane Bacon, by the way. That is Claire Rogers from golf.com. And episode eight was, I mean, again, it was the Rory episode and I knew it was going to be an emotional one because I knew we were going to go through the ups and downs of St. Andrews in the old course. We were talking a bit about Rory and they talked about this early in the episode, by the way, started in Jupiter. Of course we did in Jupe life in Florida, the capital of golf. I think they need to take <laughs> that title away from Pinehurst, North Carolina, yeah. but you know, we were talking about Rory and they went through the arc of Rory's early parts of his career and how he's a kid on these, you know, TV shows, much like Tiger Woods. There was a Tiger head cover that was kind of tucked away in one of the young pictures of Rory McIlroy as well. You could tell Tiger was such a big influence and in what Rory was about. But, you know, Rory was one of those players that was a bit like the modern player. And I say modern player, like a 2021 or 2022 player, much like Colin Morikawa, where, where the majors came really early. And yeah. You know, when you're a great player, you're going to be measured by major championships. And Rory McIlroy is a guy that has not won a major since 2014. I did the math, Claire, 23 different players. I mean, some of those are multiple winners, but 23 yeah. different players have won a major championship since Rory's last major. And he's gone to this line a lot. I've won everything else but major championships. But when we talk about Rory McIlroy and his legacy, it's going to be based on the four championships a year you know the masters the pga and the opens and it felt like if you were writing a script or a movie it felt like 2022 should end with rory winning at the open and that's what this whole episode felt like it was kind of based around was there was live versus the pga tour but there was really rory trying to conquer something that he hadn't conquered in so long yeah and he this was personal for rory right he even said at the beginning the episode, the live thing, maybe he's taken it, he's too personally, but at the open when it was him and Cam Smith, this was a big moment of PGA Tour versus, well, he hadn't gone to live yet, but he was going to live, uh, us versus them, who's going to kind of secure the spot for the, going into the next major, which would not be for another, what, eight months or something. So it was an intense episode. Uh, I have a segment I'm going to throw out now just because I think it's important. Ooh. This is a, a golf thing that needs more explanation. So if you're not a diehard golf fan, you might not totally understand the importance of St. Andrews in terms of a legacy builder for a player. Um, if you are a great, great player, you have won an open at St. Andrews and starting back in 1990, the RNA put St. Andrews as a host of the open every five years. So 90, 95, 2000, 2005, of course, Tiger wins it in 2000 and 2005 was going back there in 2010. But when you think about 
how short these careers are for pro golfers now. And Rory touched on this at the end of the episode when he said, I've, everybody I played with has been younger than me at the tour championship. But Rory's first real experience with the Open was in 2010. He was the first round leader. He was 21 years old. He shot 63. It should have been 62. He missed a bunny on 17 for par. That would have been the first 62 in major championship history. The weather flipped. He shot 80 in the second round, never to really be heard from again. And then in 2015, which really you felt like was Rory's opportunity to win an Open at St. Andrews, he got injured. He hurt himself playing yeah. soccer. He'd already won, I think, three times before that Open. He won at Quill Hollow. He won the match play. And I believe he won in Dubai earlier in that year and went on to win late in the season as well. But like 2015, we're all sitting there going, this is going to be the year that Rory does it. And he was injured. He didn't play. So now you go to 2022. Rory's a 33-year-old. And from kind of where I'm sitting, Claire, the last real great opportunity for Rory to win at St. Andrews. And you think about how important the golf course is to him, how important the golf course is to legacy, how important the golf course is to the history of the game. I mean, is the home of golf. And for Rory McIlroy, winning there would basically be kind of that strawberry of a career. Anything else he did after that would be awesome. And I mean, outside of completing the career grand slam, nothing really left on his resume to complete. And it really felt as we were going into that and he started playing well, he started making birdies and he moving up the leaderboard. It was like, all right, finally, this yeah. is going to be the open for Rory. It almost has, and I know we have golf Olympics it's every four years, but this is kind of like an Olympic feel in others, how it would point. be in other sports. You're waiting for this. Oh, it doesn't come around for a handful of years through prepping, but you might not be at your peak at that. And you know, that happens every year with the majors, but maybe you'll be at your peak for one. You're not getting St. Andrews again, which is for five years, which is why it was so emotional when Tiger obviously is walking and they have the crossover and stuff. But, you know, the whole storyline was we might not never see him here at St. Andrews again for the Open. And that's why this was a huge deal for Rory, too, because how old will he be the next time it's there? I, don't, it's gonna be, I mean, they, they don't have it on. I was looking. They don't have it on the calendar yet. But in theory, if it's every five years, he's going to be nearly 40 years old yeah. when the Open goes back there. And if you think about Again, going back to the way the PGA Tour is these days, if you go five, six years, what is that, 20 new players that could yeah. be dominant, that could be top 15, top 20 players in the world, this whole crop of young players coming about, maybe some of the younger players that we see now feeling more comfortable in major championships, and some of those players are going to be playing great, and some of them are not. But the obstacles only get you know higher for players like Rory McIlroy the longer they go without winning something like this. And again, the Masters every year is going to be the one we all hope Rory wins. But I think, uh, much like you know, you say your favorite golfer's favorite golfer, I think your favorite golf media person's biggest hope was that Rory would eventually win an Open at St Andrews, and for three and a half days, it really felt like that was going to be the case. I know it was. I'm so glad we at least got the tour championship. I know it's a different feel, but at least we got to end on a high note there because otherwise it could have would have been like, all right, we're following Rory, following Rory. Oh, I didn't get it done, but yeah, we had a, we had a Ricky watch on the world ranking, by the way, one thirty fourth. Yes. First time we'd seen Ricky since I think episode three. So it's <laughs> nice to get Ricky back in our lives. The Kepka waffle fry sweatshirt was back. Uh, mm -hmm. which I obviously had as one of my favorite parts of the Kepka episode. Uh, can I say this? The the part of Rory as a kid on that TV show, that host is like touching his chin and yeah, his face. Weird. I'm like, bro, easy on the touch in my face. I mean, get out of here. That's all I could think about. My, my Cindy was down here watching a little bit of it with me. I'm like, this is way too much touching for me. I need that out of here. But I have a comparison to make. Okay. Is Rory's chipping into the uh, drying machine. with the yeah the equivalent of 
you know, JT and Jordan eating the hot dog. Like it just has to appear that old photo. This had to be in it. Cause for people who don't follow golf, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But for us, it's, oh, of course that's in there. Great. <laughs> I think I didn't Nike or the European tour, I believe made a video where the last shot, it was like one of those viral videos. And the last shot was Rory having to hit a washing machine with his driver, which I think he eventually Ooh. pulled off. But that was years yeah. ago, uh, a viral video that they did. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was obviously the first parts of this were in and around St. Andrews, in and around the open, uh, deeper dives into that Claire. You know, Rory stayed right there on the 18th. He said he would come out on his balcony every night and look at the yellow leaderboard and, and dream of his name being there late on Sunday. And he comes up literally, I mean, I know he ended up finishing behind two players, but really finished behind one player. I mean, he was trying to chip that in at the last for the birdie. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to just think about kind of full circle and Rory's career and so much of it in and around the old course. And he always plays with his dad and the Dunhill links at the old course as well. It's just so special to see that relationship. And it felt like a relationship that needed to end, you know, hand in hand, and it just didn't quite get there. Uh, and it was so close. And it's a reminder that competition wins all the time. And, you know, in terms of competition, sometimes you get beat, even when everybody else wants you to win. You just made a good point. We didn't get to see Jerry McElroy in this. I mean, we saw wow. the throwback I didn't think videos. about that. We saw the throwback videos, which was were awesome, but we didn't get him. But I also, Rory was a late addition to the show, I believe. And he was very clear. You're not coming to my house. You're not coming in my car, all that stuff. So it does make sense, but I would have liked that addition. I, I want to give a big shout out to Dylan to share who I, I think I had as a loser in episode two <laughs> or three. Uh, Dylan got the brutal job of trying to explain the FedEx cup tour championship system. I feel like he absolutely nailed that. That is not an easy thing to do to yeah. explain the staggered startness of that event. Yeah, I know. And yeah, he did nail it. And then uh, Scotty did a good job kind of saying, okay, there are only 30 guys. I have a two shot lead, all this stuff. Was that the first time they had kind of talked, they had talked about FedEx Cup points a little bit, but we hadn't really talked, right? Or am I, I mistaken I, there? I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't really think there was much discussion about the FedEx Cup throughout these other events because so much of it was around the PGA Championship and then yeah. some of these smaller events that players were either contending in or winning. But yeah, this is really the first time I feel like the FedEx Cup was kind of thrust in our face. And we're going to have Chad Mum on later on this episode. He was the pr executive producer of Full Swing. But, you know, he talked about needing something to button up the series and the importance of having Rory win the last event of 2022 is a great way to button up what was episode eight. And, you know, you get Rory going and I, I forgot that first hole. I don't know if you remember that hitting him, hitting it out of bounds in the nasty weather. And, you know, you're already starting behind Scotty Scheffler who's <laughs> player of the year on the PJ tour. And all of a sudden you're doing that to yourself and you're like, damn, I just threw two more shots away. Um, two things also kind of random thoughts, the Christmas music. So weird. So weird. Guys are so weird, Claire. We do so such weird. weird stuff. And then the second thing is I had forgot, I hadn't forgotten, but the players only meeting Tiger coming off the yeah, yeah, plane yeah. and he's got this flannel on. Like that's just a moment in golf that I will just love forever. Cause it was so, it was like, all right, the principal's coming in and take care of this. Cause the kids have messed up. Every Tiger button up shirt looks like a magic eye poster. Everyone he wears <laughs> looks like a magic eye poster. This dates back to the early nine, the mid nineties. He's worn those multi-patterned button ups his entire career. Never is he in a solid colored shirt. It's never just blue or white. It's okay. always just complete chaos on the shirt. There's something going on. Yeah. There's, always, there's been always. like red carpet events with him where there's just a lot going on. Oh, with the buttons. Um, what are your, okay. So, 
the FedEx Cup, it gets bashed by golf people at times. Um, it is something the PGA Tour had to do to make the end of the season interesting. Yeah. And uh, the, the, But the one thing is, the one thing I don't love that they say about the FedEx, because I'm pro FedEx Cup. I like the fact that there's something interesting. I know that there's tweaks that need to be done to the FedEx Cup all the time. I don't love the staggered start. There's a lot of yeah. things I could pick apart. I wish it was match play. But the idea that you have to play well the whole year, I don't buy. You have to right. play well throughout the playoffs to get into the final 30. And it helps if you played well, because as we saw from Scotty Scheffler, even if he doesn't have a great week, he's going to have an advantage because he starts with the best score. But it's more about playing better in the playoffs, which I think the idea of the playoffs was meant to represent. You want to play better when the playoffs start. You know, the Giants beat the England, the, the Patriots when they were undefeated. Well, the Giants just snuck into the playoffs there, which right. is all they needed to do. Yeah, and I think that's probably a misconception in golf because in other sports, exactly what you just said, you just play well when it matters and you're good. But there's this idea that if you're not playing well, you know, in the wraparound events, it might be an issue, you know, or like the beginning of the season, it's going to be an issue. But really, because there have been some names I can't even think where it's like, oh, they made they're back in the finals right, for this. Right, I can't right. believe it. So um, so you brought up the Christmas music, the whole yeah. massage um <laughs> table experience i don't know what you call it didn't know that was a thing i didn't know that they just six people got massaged by six different people as a professional golfer must be nice but it's of an course, intimate moment though <laughs> yeah i mean you know like jordan's getting those like suction things on his leg and they're asking about texas football and christmas music <laughs> is being played and then we get of course the quote of the series from Roy McIlroy when he says, fuck you, Phil, about Phil Mickelson. And he said, I hope this stays in there, which got me thinking, Claire, how many quotes were left on the cutting room floor that either would have got somebody in trouble or potentially got somebody canceled? That has to be a lot. A ton. So they better all, you know, I'm glad. I hope everybody was really nice to Chad and everybody, because <laughs> if they don't like somebody, you can get canceled by them. But yeah, that whole thing. And I like that he was leaning into it because it sounds like he was apprehensive about doing it. And then he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I also liked when he said, you know, um, they were talking, I forget who he was talking about on the range, but um, you know, Patrick Reed played in the Asian tour event. Yeah. And he said, Oh, beautiful, beautiful that he dropped uh world's ranking points. And I was like, he hadn't even been sued at that point yet. So who knows? nobody threw a T at him at this point. We, we were, no. we were, we were months away from that whole thing happening <laughs> in golf. Yeah. I, I love those slight inserts of Rory's personality because you know, Rory um, I, I'll give I'll give you a great Rory story. So I was walking with Rory at the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and he just won in Canada, okay? And, like, Rory is as nice a person as you see on TV, and he's funny, and he's he's quick-witted. I mean, he's all those good qualities, right? And I'm walking with him. He was – I think it was uh, – it was Victor or Justin Suh, somebody like that had just turned professional. No, it was Colin. Colin was playing oh, okay. with Rory in a practice round. And I was talking to Colin about pro and last week he turned pro in Canada. How was it? And he was like, I wasn't as nervous as I thought I'd be. So I'm talking to Rory because he shot 61 in the final round and he won the Canadian open. And we're talking and we're walking off 16 to pebble going over to 17. And this fan goes, Rory, Canada loves you. And I look at Rory and I go, well, not all Canada loves you. And without missing a beat, Rory looks at me and he goes, that's right. Some Canadians fucking hate me. And I was like, see, like, this is why you love Rory McIlroy because he has, again, he has that quality that's so normal and it's so approachable. And in the same time, Claire, he took on this role as basically 
commissioner, vice commissioner, if you will, last season yeah. on the PGA Tour. And this episode gave us glimpses into both the silliness that is Roy McIlroy and then that professionalism that basically was the voice of the PGA Tour for the last seven, eight months of, of the golf season. I loved Amanda's line at the end of it where she said, you know, it's a solo sport. So the locker room has never really needed a captain before, but this year it did. And yep. just, you know, Jay Monahan giving him a toast at the end. He, I, you know, there were little moments, but he handled himself like the captain this past season, which was awesome to see, you know, relive it and then see those inside moments that the rest of the world, we didn't even see, you know. One of the coolest parts of the whole series, I thought, was the Rory sitting on the bench looking at his phone and saying he always texts first. And you knew who he was talking about, yeah, but you kind of yeah. wanted to wait for him to say it. Is he talking about Tiger? Is he talking about Jack? Like, who, who is he talking about? It's probably Tiger. And then, of course, he says Tiger always texts first. He probably texts before the final putt drops. And, um, it, you know, when you're real famous – I think I think real famous people spend a lot of time at home because it's the only yeah. place that you can get some privacy. And I know a lot of famous professional golfers watch a lot of sport on TV because they're at home a lot. And for Tiger to be so involved in watching, you know, the the end of the FedEx Cup and the end of the Tour Championship, and then to send a text to Rory right like that, it was just I thought it was a really cool moment coming on the opening of the show where he was talking about how impactful Tiger was in his career. Yeah, he said he wanted to be just like him, like all this stuff. It was just so cool. And then I feel it's definitely gotten more normal for these guys to be around Tiger, but I do hope that magic is still kind of there because, but you, I think you and I have had this conversation where even being inside the ropes starts to feel normal and it shouldn't because it's not, but I don't know him seeing Tiger as this, you know, how many thousands of kids are saying, I'm going to be the number one player in the world right. one year. And then it actually happens a very small percentage i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the best player in the world you know i mean he said i was a confident kid i was an arrogant kid i'd tell everybody in the world you know i was going to be one of the great things jerry mcelroy famously bet on rory to win an open before i think he was 25 years old and he did that <laughs> like when he was a teenager i mean this family really believed in the skill set of rory mcelroy and obviously they knew what they were talking about and uh, we talked a little bit about this in episode seven about the age of pro golf and where we're going. But I love that note about Rory saying everybody I've played with this week, I'm older than, and him joking about getting grilled in 2016 for saying Tiger and Phil were on the, the, you know, the, what do you say? The back nine of their careers. Yeah. And he said he got a whole bunch of flack for it. And then of course, now if you're in your forties on the PGA tour, you feel like you're almost on the champs tour. I mean, that's what totally. it feels like these days. Who was your winner of the episode? If you want to get into it. So I had competition as my winner. I think throughout this, throughout this entire series, and especially in this episode, again, competition is what we love to watch. And there are storylines and people that should win things that don't win stuff. You know, George Mason makes that great run and makes the final four. And you're like, what a great story this would be. And I remember Gonzaga years ago, uh, and, you know, they, they make the, the championship game and they're playing Duke and there's a shot at the end and it bounces off the rim and it could have gone down. You know, they don't always happen like that. That's not how right. sports works. Movies do, but sports don't. And I just Rory's going to be a he's going to be a goat of this generation. He's the best player yeah, of this yeah. generation. I think that's fair to say. But for him to add the Claret Jug at St. Andrews, at an Open, at the 150th, made too much sense, and yet competition played out in a different way. And uh, I think the same thing in, in about Scheffler at the Tour Championship is had a great year, player of the year, looks like he's going to win, 
and doesn't quite get it done because he didn't make the putts he made early in the season. And there was a better player there to swipe it away from him that now wins a third FedEx Cup. So, you know, to me, it was it was competition that was the big winner in episode eight. I had Rory, obviously, kind of talking about the history of the game, but also Poppy McElroy, who kind of, I guess, at the beginning of the episode had told Rory that she doesn't like golf, which is so funny. And he said, I love she not see everything. everything. Yes. Yeah. But I love that. I love what is she like three, maybe? And she's yeah. like, not for me, not for me. Yep. His daughter and my son are almost the same age. And so every time I'm around Rory now and any, in any circumstance, we always compare like, what are you watching? What shows are you guys into? What have you moved on from? And so uh -huh. it's funny because like my son, who's three and a half, doesn't care about golf at all. And, you know, we have a backyard putting green. And the only thing he does in the sand is he like builds castles or plays yeah. with stuff in the sand. Like he doesn't ever pick up the golf club. And I felt, I felt some kindred spiritness with Rory when I heard Poppy was like, I don't like golf either. I'm like, well, it's not just Henry. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, who's your um, loser, Claire? This is a recurring theme and it's just the live players in the media when he said you know I don't know mate my team around me worries about that stuff I get that they have to lie I or can't whatever but it just is so awkward and then you know he said I just won the open and you guys are trying to ask me about that it's not that good I'm like do you know what their jobs are like they have to write a story about this um but I do like the reporter said, okay, that might be true, but the question remains. <laughs> I love that. I was going to mention that. That's like a, that's like a subtle winner for me was the reporter yes. that went, okay, that's all great, but I'm going to still ask you the same question. <laughs> Are you going to go to live? And it was just, he had nothing to do. Uh, my loser of this episode, and this is not necessarily this episode, but just in life in general is adults that need fist bumps from pro golfers or pro athletes. Hate. Like you're, you're an adult. You don't need it. You're good. You don't need an autograph. You don't need a fist bump or a high five. Nope. If you're a kid, that's totally fine. And I actually hope you go out there and ask for this because as we've seen in this series, a lot of these young, a lot of these pro golfers were young people at one time hoping to get to see Rory or Tiger or Jack or Arnie or whomever. But you don't need to ask for a fist pump from Rory McIlroy. Most of the people asking for him are older than Rory McIlroy. It's just weird. Yeah, it's weird. And I'll see it on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday pro-am situation. My first thought is, why aren't you at work? Why are you <laughs> go to work and come back on the weekend and with your kid or grandkid and let them ask for it? It's just such a weird thing. Can you sign this? Or I was at the Genesis and I hate these men yelling like, you got it, brother. So weird. Stop. Just so Please weird. stop. Just don't yell anything. You just, you're, no. you're good. You're good. We're past yeah, that point. Um, I get embarrassed. Something I get embarrassed for him as well. <laughs> something you learned on this episode. Um, let's see. Let me scroll up a little bit. Something I learned is that I want to ask Rory to list off all the 50, the last 50 open and masters oh, champions. Thank you for bringing this up. Yeah. I, I, I totally believe he can do it, but I want to see him do it. Also, I learned that Tiger text the earliest. Will you promise me this? I'll promise you the same. The first person that actually talks to Rory next, and I mean, it might be you because he's a big fan of yours, obviously. But <laughs> the next time we do it, I want to just, just throw a year at him. Like, like at the end of the conversation, like, hey, yeah. Rory, real quick, 87 Masters champ. Rory, just, just last question. Well, like, well I gotcha. Rory, uh, who won 74 open? Okay, thanks, Rory. <laughs> Like just put him on the spot and let's see. Yeah. Flashcards. Like how did he? Yeah. How did he learn this? My little sister, the littlest one, ten years old, does presidents, 
and that's her thing. She can go backward, forward by year. So I believe that he can do it, but she had to use flashcards to get there. (laughs) Not not testing the mind. I'm just saying. Um, Something I learned on this episode is these guys are professional athletes. They are alpha males. They believe in themselves. You know, Rory's saying I was, you know, so confident and believed I was going to be best in the world and told everybody that. It's not just Rory saying this, you know, I guarantee Justin Thomas was like that. I guarantee Jordan Spieth was like that. Scotty Scheffler on down the line. Like internally, they believe they are the absolute shit. Yet these guys are very sweet to each other. And that is something that I've learned, not just on this episode, but throughout the series, Rory talking to Scotty and the family after, I know that went viral at the time, but just the way he talked to Scotty and said, you deserve this. You know, you had an unbelievable season. Then JT talking to Scotty about being number one. It just is, it's sweet. And they lift each other up and they're there for each other. And I just, I'm not sure I understood that that dynamic existed between pro athletes specifically pro golfers in an individual sport that yeah. doesn't tend to screen team environment. They're very sweet to each other. And I really appreciate that. And I respect the hell out of it because it's not the easiest thing to do is to go up to people and have the right words to say. Yeah. And they seem to always have the right words to say. I was at the end of the waste management last two weeks ago, Meredith Scheffler, I heard her go up to John Rahm and just say, he's been kicking butt lately. It's incredible. And I just love that the banter and they're complimenting each other because it's true. And to have people at such a high level respect that for each other is really cool. Did you notice anything weird? Because I did. I think the only thing I picked up on one was the, the kind of hidden tiger head cover that was in Rory's bag. And he also had the old school Callaway Warbird head cover, which was one of the great like head covers ever. I think no laying up when they were with Callaway, like reprinted those and did their own thing with them. But, you know, anytime I see anything from the nineties that makes me think of my junior golf in my early days, I get very excited. So those were a couple of things I noticed. Mine was that Rory does not work out in a collared shirt. Like a lot of the other guys do. Scheffler had it on. You mentioned it in episode one. You said, I know yeah. Scotty's going to be in the, in the golf shirt. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing that workout trailer. It's a, just kind of a, seems like an interesting spot. They don't really talk to yeah. each other. And it's, there's no way it's that big. I want to go inside actually and see what it's like, because I guess you have the trailer and then you can open up a little bit, but they're definitely within close proximity of one another. So that's a good story to pitch, by the way, Claire, you should throw that at the editors and just say, I want to just hang out in a workout trailer for the week and just see what they're working out, see how they do it, do a percentage of golf shirt versus not. Did you see, this was weird in the workout trailer. They had a whole bunch of tennis shoes there. And oh. they, they looked like no bull tennis shoes or whatever that company is. And I was wondering if somebody just brought those and some guys, you know, wanted to work out after a round, but didn't have tennis shoes. So they have those provided like hotels do these days. I noticed that. And I or thought bowling that was interesting. Alleys. Or bowling, bowling. <laughs> a little, maybe hopefully cleaner than bowling alley shoes. <laughs> I totally missed that. I wonder yeah. if they get to keep them or they just say, all right, borrow these. And then uh, another player is going to wear them in 25 we'll, minutes. We'll spray them with that fake spray that bowling alleys use that definitely doesn't kill anything. If we've <laughs> learned. Um, what's something you changed your mind on? Um, Kind of just for having more of a respect for the history of the game, not really changing my mind on it, but I think sometimes I get caught up in the modern aspect of it. And Rory kind of talked about it. He said the modern aspect is so important for growing the game. Also, I want to try, what is that thing called where he's Yeah, like when he's in the metaverse, yeah. Yeah, I think that would freak me out a little bit. But I think just, I want to, I don't want to say study because it sounds like such a nerd, but I think I'd like to, you know, go to Scotland and experience the 
more reverent parts of golf. <laughs> oh, do you think you'll start saying amateur instead of amateur? No, if you definitely do that? not. That's the okay. modern part that I, you okay, know, gotcha. really you, you, you want to keep, yeah, you want to keep, you, you don't want to play persimmon drivers, you know, yeah, you still no, want to no. play the new age driver, but you want to have a bit of history. I think uh, I changed my mind on what a massage could look like. So mm. in my world, and I don't get a ton of massages. I had one this week, by the way, very lovely, Ooh. very underrated, need to do more of them. But my massage world is in your own room with music, Lights turned down, one massage therapist, and it's relatively peaceful. Oh, they and come to your house? No, 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 no. Like I'm going to I'm going to a place oh. and I'm in my own massage room. And you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, it's an individual experience. And I never again thought that massages could be this six guys laying around watching football. You know, I just yeah. I didn't realize that that was an option. So could be a group uh, activity. Yeah, I almost got, like that. It's like laser. I got tag. one massage once in New York City. And you know, like Groupon or whatever. I yes. should have been like, okay, the fact that I'm getting this for 90% off is probably a red flag. <laughs> it was in this dark basement and I show up and the place is closed. Oh. And she's, I get a call and they're like, we're just running a little late. We'll open up soon. And it was so dark and there were cats in the basement and I it was not a good experience whatsoever. So. Now, did, now, now did, you, did you do the whole massage or did you peace out early? Okay, I left like 10 minutes early because I had gone to the gym before, subtle workout flex, but I had drank like, 60 ounces of water and I had to go to the bathroom so bad the entire time there was like 10 minutes left I was like you know what let's just call it here we'll both go our separate ways let's still give you a tip but it was weird and I'm allergic kind of allergic to cats so it was just not pleasant I leave I'm like my eyes are itchy <laughs> more stressed than I was when I went like, this, this isn't great this hasn't helped anything um what will average fans that aren't golf fans get out of episode eight final episode of full swing um how important Rory is to the game and what the heck the FedEx Cup is and how it works and the staggered starts and there's only 30 players. That was kind of my main thing. What about you? Yeah, I, I said just a ton of respect for Rory and what he's about and what he was able to do through 2022. And I love that he said at times it felt probably too personal to me than it needed to be. But I yeah. think just the way he went about his business throughout the year, who he is, the way he acts. We didn't get any family stuff in there, which I know was Rory's point, but I'm sure if we'd have got that, he'd have been even a bigger fan favorite from this episode. But Rory's an easy guy to like. I mean, I I, I wrote on Twitter a couple of weeks ago something positive about Rory and had a few people chirp back. I'm like, I don't want to be friends with you. Like, no. If you, like, if you don't like Rory, if you don't like ice cream, if you don't like dogs, like, I'm out. You know, like, yeah. we're just... We're just out. If you don't like direct flights, like out of my <laughs> face, these things are universal wins, right? Showers, <laughs> naps, like everybody likes these things. And everybody yes. in my space likes Rory McIlroy, as you should, because he's a very easy person to, to root for. Agreed. I think, you know, people are going to come out of this really liking people for different reasons, you know, uh, Joel and Gino's story, and then Rory just for being this now spokesperson of the game that we've all known for the last year, but a lot of people who weren't involved wouldn't know. Claire, as we wrap up and get to Chad here in just a bit, what was your favorite episode of the series? Did you have a favorite episode? Did you have one that you feel like if you were going to suggest people watch one episode and they only had time for 30 or 45 minutes of full swing, which one they'd go to? Tony Finau. Okay. I, I just loved, I don't know. And that's not me saying I didn't love the Joel episode as much because I did, but it just was such a happy, I mean, not happy, but you know, there were sad moments, but the end of it where his whole family's there and he's getting off and he's won back to back. It was just such a feel good story. And I loved having the kids involved and everything. What about you? Yeah. I think mine was the Joel Damon one. I, I just feel like, you know, 
kind of similar to Tony. And I feel like those episodes were similar because you got Mm -hmm. so much about their life prior to playing golf and personal tragedy and, you know, coming out of the, out of funks and playing well and having success uh, in relationships, either with a caddy or with your family, yada, yada, yada. I feel like you got so much out of both those episodes, the Finau one and the Joel Damon one. So, you know, for me, I think Joel just gets pushed over the edge because he joined us on this. So yeah. I think I just give it to him because he jumped on full swing tonight. Uh, so shout out to Joel for uh, for playing the political part as well and, and, knowing, yes. and knowing how to get the dub. Next time, if any other players want to join, we'll give you a little extra auto, points. Too. Auto, <laughs> auto victory. Um, Claire, it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, before we go, you know, we're going to have the executive producer from the entire series join us to answer some of the questions we had both about this season and potentially upcoming seasons. Um, but I just wanted to say thanks so much for all your hard work on this and for joining us. A reminder to everybody, make sure you follow, read, like, retweet, <laughs> everything Claire Rogers does. You can follow her on social media at, K- at K Claire Rogers. She writes for golf.com. The Rogers Report is weekly and interesting. And uh, yeah, Claire, you've absolutely crushed it. It's been so much fun doing this with you. Thank you. This has been a blast. I wish there were more episodes for us to discuss, but (laughs) you know what season two, we'll have to ask Mr. Chad mom about that coming up the executive producer of full swing. And before we say goodbye to this fun experience with full swing, we have Chad mom, as you see there, executive producer of full swing. He was the man in the background, cutting everything and asking the questions and filming for a year. We just wrapped up our eighth episode of our deep dive into full swing. So I wanted to start with a very easy question for you, Chad. What was your favorite episode and why? <laughs> An easy one to start. Yeah, there you go. Did you ever answer that? Oh, God. I love all the episodes, just like I love all my children equally. Yep. But, you know, I do think that wrapping up episode eight, you know, there's something about having a satisfying ending to any great story. And the ending that we got with Rory. Do you just, you can't write it again. So how many times did I say this to our team and to ourselves as we were making the show is like, you could not script what we just saw and what just happened. And I think the Rory story coming in at the end of the season, giving us the access that he did for some of these really private conversations and some of these moments that you never see inside the locker room, getting, getting massages with all of the other players to our championship, sitting there when he gets a text from Tiger Woods and watching his just face turn into like a 12 year old kid again, you know, getting a text from his hero. It's just, yeah, there's just, what a great way to end it. How the heck do you record what, like 700 hours and then cut it down? Cause if I'm writing a story, I have, I can't even cut it down and I'm doing, you know, a week in golf. And I find that really hard. Can you just describe a little bit about how that works? Well, we had, you know, I, I can't take all the credit here. We had an amazing big team working on this and our post team alone, I think was, was close to 30 people working on this show. And, you know, we had, we had 700 hours of footage that we shot. We also had another 7,000 hours of archive that we pulled in. And that, that includes all the broadcast cameras and every piece of like historical footage and photography that we were chasing down from, you know, from uh, (laughs) Chile, actually, in some cases, like with Mito and um, anyway, it was just, we had a great team that was really focused on telling really interesting stories. And I think that like each, each episode had a, had a creative team with a lead editor and a story producer and a couple AEs working in concert with this giant machine that we built to kind of digest all this footage and time and sync map it across every episode. And, you know, we, we at the beginning of the year, we sat down after we did all of our interviews, initial interviews with all the cast members of the show, and we kind of wrote out 
you know, maybe 10 episodes that we thought thematically could be interesting. And it could, you know, it was players that we thought could work well or work in conflict with each other that could make for something compelling. And then a little bit was like watching the chips fall as the year went on. And I would say about half of those episodes ended up being like pretty close to what they ended up being. Obviously we couldn't predict the golf results, but you know, we could see the way that those things paid out and uh, played out and paid off. And, you know, and then it was a lot of, yeah, how do you pick which scene goes where and, and how you tell the story? And is it too much of this character? Not enough of that. Like, uh, but, you know, as we, as we work through the creative process, like, you know, these, these big, these bigger storylines, you know, came to be, you know, came to the front. And I think the one thing we were missing, you know, relevant to this was how do you end the damn thing? And, uh, and, you know, thank, thank you, Roy McElroy for, <laughs> for us in a major way. Chad, at what point, you know, I mean, the, the cool thing about this for Claire and I to kind of relive 2022 was, I mean, a lot happens in the golf space week to week, month to month, and, and you know, year to year. And you kind of forget at times of things that happened. And certain moments happened early in 2022 that we'd forgotten happened just a year ago. At what point during this process were you thinking to yourself, holy shit, this is the perfect year to be doing this. I can't believe we have access when Liv's going on and the PGA Tour's going on and these secret meetings are happening. At what point <laughs> did you kind of pinch yourself and go, this is the perfect season to do this? We, we honestly, we pinched ourselves the first time we ever shot any golf on this show. The, the, the first thing we did with any of the players, we did a bunch of interviews with them at the Hero World Challenge. So that was like in the fall before we started filming last year. But the first golf that we actually shot was not actually at a PGA Tour event. It was Joel Damon and Harry Higgs and their caddies playing a scramble against two local boys at Goat Hill Park in San Diego. And that was Monday of Torrey Pines. That was the first week that we were going to be shooting out on the tour. And we went out with our cameras to the PGA Tour, to the tour event, to Torrey, and we ran into those guys and they're like, hey, we're going to go play a match at Goat Hill Park. And we're like, whoop, pull up the stops. Let's go with them. They roll in with like a bag full of white claws and, you know, we end up at sunset, like everyone's wearing mics. We're out there, you know, a crowd forms. There's probably 30 people out walking with this group. Dogs are out there. There's kids. People are drinking IPAs. Like it was sunset. We looked at each other. We're like, if this is the first time our cameras are rolling, you know, and they're talking shit to each other. It's like, it's a dream. And, you know, that was the first pinch me moment. And it was like every week was another one. You know, when we, when, when the live stuff kind of started to, to break into the news cycle around Riviera, you know, that was a pivotal moment where all of a sudden we said, okay, there's going to be like a much bigger storyline here that, that we're going to be a part of and we're going to be in the middle of, you know, I think Justin Thomas at the PGA championship, you know, really, he gave us a ton of access that week as he saw. And we, we had sort of picked him because we thought, you know, the storyline with his dad and being a PGA professional himself, like would be a special experience and never expected him to come historically, you know, from as far behind it as anybody's ever done in a major to win the thing. You know, we were with Mito that week because we wanted to see a rookie playing their first major. And then we had Matt Fitzpatrick like that week. And it just, yeah, the PGA championship was a, was a wild one where we looked back and said, oh my God, there's three episodes just from this week. And, you know, and then, and then Matt again at Brookline and, and Rory at, 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 you know, Eastlake, it just, you just couldn't write it. If I tried to script it and send it into Netflix, they'd send it back and say, you know what, this is a little too unbelievable. <laughs> did everyone on your team know golf going into this or was that something you thought was important or what's everybody's like background of knowing golf really really not not really I mean I, I think I'm the golf nerd on the team and and you know for good reason I guess because you know you, we needed the access and to be trusted mm -hmm. by everyone in the sport you know and I think like 
you you all are this is a golf podcast y'all are golfers like you can kind of sniff out like if you're bullshitting golf like if you know it you know and I think I'm not bullshitting I love the game and obsessed with it and and I think people like felt that passion uh, mm-hmm. but you know the the majority of our team you know they come from documentary film and they've made you know thing that whether it's drive to survive or true crime shows or whatever and they brought so much general audience stakes to it and I think what we kept saying as we were cutting it was like this is like any narrative you you're telling these narrative stories about these characters we weren't there to make you know an episode about the masters we were there to make an episode of what it was like to compete in the masters through the eyes of a character who's doing it that you know is having that experience and we just kept reminding ourselves like we have to keep the storytelling clean and simple you've got to understand what the stakes are for each character you've got to know what they're up against what are they trying to overcome and what is, why does it mean something to them and that's like the heart of every great story whether it's like an action movie or you know a disney movie it's like who are the characters? What are their stakes? What are they up against? What are the obstacles in their way? And what is it like to, to achieve their goals? And, and I think that, you know, golf is such a great canvas for that kind of storytelling because there's no more lonely sport, you know, and it's like, you're out on an Island. There's no one else to rely on. And it's a, a sport where you don't win that often either. I mean, you could have a three win season and like, it's like a hall of fame type year and, you know, to be an elite athlete and just not win a lot, it, it really weighs a lot on your psyche, you know, and you put in all this work. And so, you know, we just felt like the pressure that builds within these guys' heads made for such a great canvas. And if we could just open the curtain a little and and put our cameras there and sort of fade away and try and be flies on the wall, that like the universe would hand us gold. And and I think we got, you know, plenty of that. (laughs) Chad, when you were laying this out in your head and on paper and with your team, did you ever think that the two main attractive cities you'd be experiencing were Jupiter, Florida, and Tulsa, Oklahoma? (laughs) Because it seems like every episode we're dipping back in the jupe life and we're going back to Tulsa. I feel like we've gone back to Tulsa half the time, right? Back to Tulsa a lot. Yeah. Tulsa was, was a very impactful week on the golf course, but you know, it was funny when we first started, we actually wrote an episode um, that didn't end up making it in the show. That was like Jupiter versus Scottsdale. And it was going to be like, you know, real housewives of Jupiter <laughs> kind of thing. And, and we had shot a bunch with some of the wives and families. And, and just this idea that if you're a pro golfer, you kind of sort into two camps. And it's not like that there was really a rivalry between Scottsdale and Jupiter, but the cultures of both places are very similar, but also very different. And so there, there's a really fun episode to do there. Hopefully we'll maybe may get a chance to really play that out a little bit. But I think Jupiter was not a surprise because you realize that like most of the tour lives down there and you just show up with your cameras and you'd be a medalist with Brooks and then Fitz shows up and then JT's there and you're just like, oh, this is like gold. You know, you just kind of show up. Um, But yeah, no, Tulsa was a surprise, I think. So you're still on your victory lap, obviously, and will be for a long time, but you've already started filming season two. Yes. I cannot confirm or deny. Oh, okay. Sorry. But yes, we haven't said anything publicly. We have not said anything publicly yet, but uh, the show did very well. And I think living up to very high expectations from an audience perspective. And, you know, we we were able to, we were able to give people who aren't even golf fans a glimpse into this crazy traveling circus and this lifestyle of being a pro golfer. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's reached people far beyond the core audience for the sport. And I think, you know, more would be really exciting. Were there, their characters, if we're not going to talk about season two, that doesn't exist, quote unquote, then you, I'm sure you had characters and names you were interested in following that didn't make the cut for season two. Were those types of players that maybe 
got interviewed or had moments on screen that didn't quite make season one? Were they bummed about it? Did they come to you and go, oh, man, am, am I am I going to be in if you guys do this again? Like, what's been the popularity from the players' perspective of what you guys were able to do? You know, I haven't gotten any calls from players about not making it into season one, but I did get a call from an agent who was really bummed that, you know, they weren't featured because there wasn't <laughs> a scene with them in it and they were looking forward to their cameo, but it, the, uh, the agent was bummed. He wasn't in there. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. I thought he was, I thought they were joking with me, but then I realized <laughs> they were actually sad about it. And I felt bad. I kind of felt bad. Um, but, uh, but you know, they're fine. Um, no, I think, you know, there are plenty of players that we filmed a lot with last season that just didn't quite have an arc for their story. And I think that what you need for this show to be successful and to be a storyline in it is you need an arc. You need like highs and lows, you know, like flat normalcy does not really play, you know. So, you know, our hope is that we get to do a lot more of this show and a lot of that stuff is still sitting there on our servers and will get used in future seasons should that happen. Uh, and I think there's definitely some names that we filmed a lot with that, you know, I know golf fans are excited to see more of, and I promise you, you know, if we do more, you will see a lot more of those people. Claire, you got anything else? Um, do you have like something you're most proud of? That's obviously this whole thing is huge, but do you have a moment when you kind of were watching and you're like, we nailed that or something along those lines? I think the ending of the Matt Fitzpatrick episode, uh, with the Bonavere needle drop was, is I think the sort of emotional high point of the whole series in terms of like it comes right in the middle you've you've now you know what this world is like you know what a major means we had so much context with Matt because we've been with him all year and you saw him get really close at Tulsa and you saw how hard he worked and none of that is like fake that's how hard he works and the stuff with like taking the notes and noting every shot and his relationship with his brother and like you know, you could feel it coming, you know, and, yeah. and so to get that moment we're sitting there we filmed that whole day it was Sunday at Brookline it was cinematic as hell out there. I mean, it was overcast. There was fog. It looked like a revolutionary war movie, you know, and I'm looking at the monitors being like, this is just like so cinematic, you know, just visually forgetting the what's happening on the golf course, but it was just amazing. And then you hear the fans that were chirping him the whole time and how brutal they were to him. And he's just trying to tune it out. And we've got Rappaport and his brother like on mics and they're, they're like losing their minds, stressing out. And, you know, you look at Matt just in laser focus mode, um, and, and I think the ending, when he got into that, when he hit into the bunker, the first time we, we cut that episode, the rough cut, you know, we had, it was a different music track and it was kind of like, I don't know, it was more like upbeat, sort of rocky celebratory moment. And it, and it just felt like it didn't quite capture like the release of that, you know, moment. And so we gave some notes to our editors and they went back and the editor just was like, I got a perfect thing. So he came back, sent us a, a cut with that Bon Iver song in it. And we all fell in love with it because instead of, you know, the, the club hits the ball and, you know, you expect to hear like big celebratory music, but no, we just drop it out completely. And it's just this silence as you wait and you start to hear the crowd murmur as it looks like, oh, because nobody could see it because it was overcast. No one knew it was in the land. Ball hits the green close to the flag and then like the release. And then you've got Bon Iver. So what ended up happening is like we, we had to go to Netflix and basically say like we want, we want to use this Bon Iver track. And, you know, so <laughs> we didn't have the budget for that, you know, and, and <laughs> started off it was just like a convincing them that like we, it's worth it to go get that needle drop and then we then we had they have said yes which was exciting they loved it too and then then we had to go get it from Bonavere. and the one thing about Bonavere is like he has to approve everything like there some you can just go license music this was like personal approval only and we had been told by his team that like he does not approve stuff for film and tv and it was like this 
last ditch attempt. So we put this email together, we cut out like a piece of that in context so we could kind of understand where it's at. I think we sent them like five minutes of the show. And first off, it's kind of funny that the only people outside of us and Netflix who ever got to see Full Swing before it came out <laughs> was Bob on air, which is kind of great. Uh, not Rory McIlroy, not Jordan Speed. <laughs> nope, no, it was Bonavere, Justin Vernon. And and I sent, you know, we sent this email and assumed that we would never hear back. And then like two days later, we get this forwarded note that's like, this is sick, approved. You know, and it was oh, like, awesome. yes. <laughs> we got it. So, you know, I think just the little sub side stories of like that, like that, that's why it's already a great moment. It's an amazing payoff emotionally for our characters. And then just to know the story that went into like actually having to get that track approved. Yeah. Uh, the fact that one of the most popular artists in the world, one of my favorite musicians in the world, like actually got to see it and thought it was awesome and said, yes, it's just like one of those little victories that I'll never forget. Well, Chad, it was uh, a very enjoyable watch. I was a big fan of it. I liked how you focused on character kind of over the, the normal PGA tour schedule. That's something Claire and I've hit on a decent amount, but it was a real focus there. And also Claire and I both agree on this crush the family parts of this because oh my I'm gosh, pretty yeah. sure like a hundred percent approval on the families. Claire wants every dad at this point to be some sort of coach of hers going forward. <laughs> so uh, you guys did a great job with that, but it was a very enjoyable watch. Congrats on all the success with it. And we'll have you back if and when season two exists. Look forward to that. Thank you both for having me.